Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Joel Elston here. Today is Thursday, February the 14th, 2019. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. It's 8 o'clock in New York, 5 o'clock Los Angeles, 1 a.m. or 1 p.m. rather in London and Sydney, Australia is at 12 midnight. Wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And Joel, uh, we get to do our weekly thing that we've been doing for a few years now, but now we get to do it on Valentine's Day, which is a good day for some people and it's a rough day for other people. Just, I guess, once again, like with everything else, it depends on your perspective, right? Yeah, it, 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 one of the, the, things I deal with when I'm working with clients and, and days like this can have such a, such an effect because they have no more meaning or less meaning than any other day. Right. It's just the emphasis we place on them. And uh, if it's Valentine's day and you're without a relationship or one struggling, it, it has emphasis on the negative And that that's where it just becomes so, you know, like the holidays, that's when people have a lot of mental health issues because the picture of what's supposed to happen in life uh, doesn't match your reality. Mm. And that's where we start feeling uh, really off. So Valentine's Day, for many, many people, it sort of it can exaggerate uh, or exacerbate the, 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 lo- the condition of loneliness or the perspective of loneliness. Mm. And as we know with the law of attraction, then that invites more loneliness and, you know, it just becomes this never-ending exactly. cycle. Yeah, that's true. And uh, so we'll talk a little bit about how to break that cycle today. Also, um, you had posted something that I made reference to before we started, a, a really, really interesting article you'd found that you, you shared on Facebook about comparing uh, different processes, different uh, ways of, of dealing with mental health issues, uh, particularly within the, uh, the community that you're in, the, the coaching and therapeutic communities. And uh, I, I just found it fascinating that <clears throat> they did this uh, compare and contrast between 12-step and other more modern mindfulness-based things. And uh, I, I was just wondering what your take was on it, because you posted it, and it was, it was cool. But what did you think about it? Well, one of the things that, that operates, and what, it, it applies to what we do and uh, what you and I do and what a lot of people do of, of just life in general, is we have a tendency to think this worked for me, so it has to work for you. Right. Or mm-hmm. my religion is this, so your religion must be this, or you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And that, that to me, is where, whether it's mental health or uh, whether it's, it's life or religion or just, 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 you know, within the work setting, when I'm a manager of a uh, – when, when I'm a director of a treatment facility, as I've been several times, um, I, I have a sort of a, a supervisory mentality of I'm going to give you – where I want to be, and mm-hmm. I will let your own individual skill set get us there. I'm not going to micromanage how you get there. I just believe in here's what I want done. Get it done in the way that works with your skill set. Mm-hmm. And and it, it's sort of that way. You, you figure out what works for you. Well, that, that the article we were talking about is it, you have the idea that when addiction first uh, was sort of identified back at, you know, way back in the 1920s and 1930s, where it, alcoholism was just really out of control, oh, yeah. and there was nothing really available to treat it. Uh, the doctors didn't understand it. Uh, it, it just, everybody thought it was just a low character, low, uh, you know, someone who just you know, the, the dregs of society get addicted. Well, that was clearly not the case, and and so they implemented the best they had at the time, which was you get a group of people together. 
and you you talk about how powerless you are and and how you have to turn your will and your life over to a, a you know a higher power and none of this is in your control but you 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 realize that so it's almost like a a way of you can't blame me for this uh because it's an addiction so i'm going to blame it on you know the some a disease idea mm. but yet only a power greater than me could fix this and i'm right. not criticizing any belief system but that's just where it came and and over the years uh, millions of people have found recovery through the the twelve step process. So yeah. I'm, I'm grateful that it's there. However, less than twenty percent of the people that go into these meetings the first year, and it's much less. I'm using the most extreme positive uh, uh, number, uh, but less than twenty percent of the people that go into a room, a twelve step room, mm-hmm. make it one year without drinking or drugging or gambling or whatever your issue mm. is. So that's an eighty percent fail rate at yeah. best. Yeah. Um, and so, so that clearly isn't working. So the idea that as progression has come up in the understanding of psychology and, and mindfulness and, and, you know, where, where the general idea of, of how to apply things work, it, 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 there's a spectrum of things out there. There's the 12 step program. Again, mm-hmm. let's, let's say 20% of that works for other people. Then the mindfulness concepts or the holistic principles or the, you know, there's, there's stuff like the stages of change. These things all work to a certain degree based on your personality beliefs and, and, and personalities and your personal beliefs. Uh, it, it's impossible to take a, an atheist and tell him you go to a 12-step program and you have to believe in God, and, and they'll tell you, oh, it's not God, it's a higher power, and then you get into a debate about stuff that doesn't matter. Mm. At the end of the day, you, you, you know, that's where your distraction gets. Yeah, takes place. So how how that works with the law of attraction is I see in our life uh, on a daily basis when I'm working with people and even in my own life how we can get so distracted with the minutia and not understanding how the minutia is keeping us. If that's the really the the resistance within the law of attraction. Uh, if you're after something but you're distracted with all what's with you know everything that's wrong in your life and everything that's going wrong. And, and I really want this area, you, you're overwhelmed with the emotion of what's distracting you. And, right. and so this, this article did a really good job of, of, without bias, of just saying, here's the advantages of 12 steps. You, mm-hmm. you, you were able to get the help here. And here's the disadvantages of 12 steps that many people report. Uh, and so I, I like the idea of a, I use the term bio-individuality, as mm-hmm. we're all different and there's not a single method that works for all people. And that's exciting to me versus that being scary. Absolutely. I agree with you. In fact, uh, I, I'm curious, does it, how much does it improve that success rate or failure rate, depending on how you want to look at it? Because, I mean, <clears throat> I'm, I'm reminded of something that I saw in a television program uh, many years ago. I think it was The West Wing. Uh, one of the characters was an alcoholic, and he was talking about how um, when you, you first admit you're an alcoholic, everybody's there to support you. Uh, everything is, is good, and you know you, you actually succeed perhaps in getting on the wagon and, and you know staying off of alcohol for a year or two years, whatever. But when you fall off and and you 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 relapse, if you will, all of a sudden nobody wants to know you. And I'm curious, is that really true? It, well, uh, so much of it is perception. Uh, it, it it's. Whether it's true or not is again based on how you're you're viewing things. Mm. If, if you're looking at it, a lot of times it's it's a perspective, it's a, a, a negative uh, 
mentality or a negative approach to it. That's where the concept of, uh, okay, I'm working really hard. I, and, and that's a lot of times within the 12 step program that happens where you're, you're, you're placing your faith in, in a power greater than yourself and you, you go to meetings and you have these steps of recovery that you're working on. And, and they're generally, there's nothing wrong with the steps. Right. But if something happens and you relapse, then there's this, you've obviously done something horribly wrong. You're a bad person. Uh, you weren't being truthful with yourself. You didn't, you know, versus sort of another concept, say, okay, I, I slipped up here. I'm another way. I, I haven't lost my recovery. I've, I've, I've just had this little dip in the road. So much of how you look at it, it, mm. it again, determine, is determined solely by your perspective. And the rooms tend to, and it, this is not the case for all rooms, the rooms tend to support that negative uh, mm. uh, spin of, oh, you, you weren't doing it correctly. Oh, you've got mm. to be better. Um, versus, yeah, I, 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 I screwed up. I've never have accomplished anything of any significance in my life without screwing up royally <laughs> in the process. Right. Uh, I, I view the screw up as part of my, my, my learning curve. I learned by how really, you know, I, I, I knock out the first thousand ways to do something wrong before I get it right. <laughs> That's just how I do it. I'm good with that. I hear you. And, and, uh, yeah. And, and, and so once you sort of adjust it, I, I look at it. I always encourage people when they're in recovery, uh, if, if we have a slip, if we move on, let's, let's adjust it in the big scheme of things. You know, you're alive. You have another shot. Let's get going. So it, it, it is, like you said, that, that becomes, so much within the 12-step program or, or, or addiction recovery or mental health, uh, I, not shockingly, but I am very much a believer in how you choose to perceive where you're going has the ultimate impact on the outcome, whether you're going in for surgery, where you're going in for it. So much is your perspective, and, and it's so much more than the average person realizes or even the medical community recognizes. Mm. Uh, it isn't a uh, uh, it, it isn't this uh, nebulous waste of time, energy of positive thought. And on the same token, uh, I get in debates with people on the other side of the equation too. You know, if you have a, a, an appendicitis, do not sit there and positively think it away. Go have that stupid thing removed, get it fixed up, and then use your positive thought to heal. Don't, don't be ridiculous. You mm-hmm. know, your, your appendix is about to burst. You're not going to positively think your way out of that. Uh, when the time gets to that point, let's be real. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and so there is a balance to all that. You know, I I don't like that concept of, uh, you know, I've I've known people that have said, well, I'm going to take some some herbs and I'm going to meditate and my appendix won't burst as their appendix bursts. It's Mm -hmm. just not rational. Yeah, I understand. And that makes total sense, too. Uh, The other aspect, as you talked about, I think you said it was uh, optimistically 20% success rate with the 12-step approach. Um, I'm wondering, are there any numbers, is there any data about the opposite approach that was described, which I'm calling the mindfulness approach, and is there any data on what happens when you select the elements that's best for a person individually? Because, I mean, that intuitively that feels right. I'm just curious if there's data to support that. Well, and, and the, the data is developing, and mm-hmm. one of the flaws in collecting data for addiction recovery is you're relying on the truthfulness of the people involved in reporting. Yeah, right. Um, it, it, and I don't mean that to be negative. It's just, you know, by addiction by definition has has uh, denial and, and right. you know, people telling lies is, is just part of the addictive process. So 
most of the most of the steps are here's an example. Say you go to a treatment center, we'll call it you know uh, treatment center A, and and treatment center A is a good facility. They do a twelve step model. They do everything. Well, they, they usually will have a one month follow up after the person discharges, a six month follow up, and a one year follow up. Mm-hmm. And so you, you you know imagine you you know Walt just left the treatment center. He really had a good experience. He's feeling better. He goes home and one month they call and they say, "How you doing, Walt?" I'm doing great, Joel. Thanks for checking in. I really, you know, I'm getting to my meetings and I'm staying clean. Well, the six months, let's say he's had a relapse or had a little problem, mm-hmm. uh, and things aren't going as well, not getting to the meeting. Well, they, they call and if he answers, if you choose to answer, you're not going to go, yeah, I messed up a little bit, but I'm back on the horse generally. Right. You're going to be like, oh yeah, things are still good. Thank you. Thank you. You can get off the phone as quick as you can. Mm-hmm. And then at the year mark, if, if you even bother caring to answer at that point, which right. most people are so away from treatment, they don't care. And then, then they're going to report more than likely, yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine. Thanks for calling. Don't call anymore, something like that. Mm-hmm. So you don't have a real accurate statistic in reporting. Right. Uh, but when you when you look at it just from when people get to that extreme bottom and they ha- are required to get back to treatment, uh, one of the, the things that I have uh, in trying to get access to to really help with this, uh, and, and it's guarded, but I just want statistics and not names. But insurance companies, you know, I like to see when the insurance companies pay for somebody to go to treatment and then how quickly they leave a treatment center and they go to uh, another one. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that not, not what the client's saying, but what the, uh, what the insurance companies are seeing. I want that statistics to that. And, and of course, the treatment centers themselves don't want you to see that mm. because it would support the idea that that you know that you might go to three treatment centers or four treatment centers right. in a year. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I know from a personal experience, the people that what, what I do is I get somebody in, and one of the first when I'm dealing with addiction, particularly, one of the first things I'm trying to figure out, I I don't have a way of I don't have a specific path that I put somebody on. My goal is to identify what works for that individual. Let's mm-hmm. let's spend a lot of time getting to know the individual, what works for them, and then helping them compose a treatment a plan that works based on all the factors that are involved. You and I were having a discussion uh, right before we went on air, the, the, the 48 seconds we had before we went on air. Um, the the uh, you know, the, the idea that, uh, we, we're really processing and, and thinking, huh, well, wouldn't there be great if there was something that we had, uh, uh, access to that could give us a personality, uh, blueprint of what works? And there's, right. you know, there, there's several psychological personality tests going, but one, one that's not a medical model is called the Enneagram process. Uh, it, it is a process which uses nine basic, uh, personality Test and I, it, it, it's spelled E E, is E N N E A G R A M Enneagram. Okay. And it, it, there's free tests online, and you can look it up. You see your personality types. Uh, they name them. I, I strongly suggest you not read the names because, <laughs> even though I, it's impossible not to, because that you, you there's a, a bias in the names themselves. Oh really? Oh, I want to be the. Yeah, like like one is called the reformer, the other is the helper, achiever, the individualist, the investigator, the loyalist, the enthusiast, or the challenger, um, or the peacemaker. So you see one of those names and go, ooh, 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 I, I want to be, be the loyalist. So, right, right, yeah. You know, it, yeah, so 
So just there, there's nine personality types, and just start that way uh, by, by going through them. Well, my ultimate goal uh, is to incorporate this type theory, maybe not this specific one, but this type theory of the Enneagrams or maybe the Myers-Briggs or a combination of both to say, okay, for this personality type in general, we found people that use a mindfulness holistic approach with meditation as a really effective method. We will we'll work on nutrition. We'll have you meditate. Uh, we'll teach you how to meditate. Those are, that's very effective. Uh, this other personality type does very well with the structure of 12 steps. We'll get you some 12 step meetings or, or you might have one of the, you know, a very varied personality type that we're going to put together a cumulative multi, sort of a shotgun approach of all these different methods. So I think that's an exciting concept of, mm-hmm. of instead of trying to say, here's my program, I'm going to force it on you and make you get it this way. And I do that with individuals. When I sit down with, with the people I'm dealing with, I figure out what is their currency, what drives them, and how am I going to build a program or help them build their own program that gets them into form of recovery. And the, this is a long answer to your question, yeah. but the people that I can get engaged in this process always are successful. Now, I don't mean there's 100% going one year without ever use, but say, for example, you, you have a drink, you're doing well, you have a drink, you have a drug, then you quickly realize you get back on track and the progression is forward. That's a very successful program, I believe. That, that's an interesting point because a lot of this depends on how you define success. And very yes. often, the, I mean, the therapeutic community often defines success the way that first piece of data was defined, you know, staying off of whatever it is for a year, which is certainly successful when yeah. you do that, but is it the only level of success? I mean, there can't be multiple levels. And like you said, we can make lots of mistakes on our way to success, and it's still successful. You know, so at what point do we decide right. that it's success? I, I have a, a, this is a sort of a cumulative description, but I have one young man in particular, he had been in I don't know, probably 10 different treatment facilities in the last five years. And he ends up coming to me because he just, he just couldn't get it. And, uh, and, and, and doctor, my, my referral base, you know, I'm sort of the, the, the person of last resort. Okay. Right. Go see Joel and see if you can figure something out. <laughs> yeah. And so we, we were sitting around and we were talking and I, you know, this guy has a very, uh, you know, he has a very unique personality. He, he's very much an antagonist. He likes to, to, you know, argue with different things. He, not, not in a negative way. He's just very inquisitive. He's almost like has a natural, uh, debate to everything. And mm-hmm. so what I, what we, what I put in place was I, I, I said, well, what do you think would work? And, you know, here's all, here's, here's, you know, 20 options of, of variety of things that'll work. And so he started, he actually there again, because he's an investigator, he went in there and he started studying these techniques and he said, well, I, I sort of like this. So I literally had him doing the work for me. He started writing out his own treatment program. Uh, he said, this is the stuff that I think works. Here's the stuff that's crap. Uh, and, and, and he, he set it up. He wrote it out. And then, you know, the most effective program we're going to follow is the one that we create. True. And so he literally had this individual program sort of chose a menu of things that matched. And, and he is, you know, he, he went, uh, six months. One night he was out with some friends. He had a couple of beers. Uh, he came, he actually called me and he said, this isn't working. I, I, I don't even like this. I'm, and he said, I'm in the middle of the evening. I'm going home. Well, 
he had two drinks. Many people in the program would say, well, he he had a relapse. Well, call it what you would like. But he immediately got right back on the way. He didn't view it as a mate. In fact, he said, just prove to me I I don't want to drink. Mm. And that's been two years ago, and he hasn't touched it. So is that success or is that failure? Oh, it's definitely success as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. So a perspective of success. Whereas a lot of times the 12-step programs are telling you, okay, up, oh, you messed up. You got to start your time over. You know, mm-hmm. we're keeping score. Your clean date is here. Uh, you know, stand up, say you're an alcoholic and, uh, and say your clean date and you're being punished because, uh, again, not literally, but it's a perception of, boy, I screwed it up. I don't want to have to go face these guys again versus, yeah, I had a slip last night. Actually, I want to make it a therapeutic slip. I'm going to use it as a learning tool and I'm going to move on. I haven't lost anything. Yeah. It just depends on how you look at it. it well, it really illustrates just how tough we are on ourselves. I mean, we're, we're brutally tough on ourselves, and we're really brutally tough on each other. And, and we expect that if we're yeah. brutally tough on ourselves and, and on each other, that it's going to somehow make ourselves better. I've never quite followed that logic. But it, it ties in nicely with the fact that we have our first question from the live stream listeners. Shereen asked it, and I wanted to share it with you and get your take on it. Uh, she says, how can I love myself? And yes, I know the mirror exercise, but when I look into the mirror, I see someone I do not know anymore. So how can I love myself and forgive myself? Well, that, that's a, a really, you know, for everybody, I think that's a really difficult question. I think a lot of it, it begins having the ability to understand what, what does that even mean? What, is, what does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the idea that how can I love myself and forgive myself? First of all, what do you need to be forgiven for? Uh, first of all, have we have to be established? Is there, what do you, what do you need to forgive yourself for? Uh, it, it, it's, it's a really hard understanding because we're told self-forgiveness will make you happy. Well, number one, what, what are we forgiving ourselves for? Uh, it, 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 I think that's, that's where it comes from identifying what you think you need to be forgiven for. Uh, and, and then, you know, we're, we're, we're perfectly flawed individuals. And when I say that, we are, <laughs> Individually, we're bio individuals. We're, 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 we all have a different makeup. And so if we're measuring ourselves, our level of success is being measured by uh, a standard in society and we're never going to live up to that. We're always going to need to forgive ourselves for not living up to that standard. Or are we living to the standard that, or the individual that we are? And are we doing this? And, and, do, you know, where is that, where's that coming from? So, it's a very difficult question because I don't think you can love yourself until you accept yourself. Mm. And when you accept yourself as a perfectly uh, fine. Oops. I think we lost you for a second there. What happened? What? Oh, there you are. What's that? We, we lost your voice there for yeah. about uh, five seconds. Okay. So, you know, uh, sort of me backing up just a little bit of that perspective of how we're choosing to view what needs to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. Are you, you know, because are you not, you know, are, is it a nebulous, I need to be forgiven? Uh, it, you know, what are the things that I've done? Or or am I living to standards that are laid out to me by somebody else that it, it, you'll never get that right when you're, I, I should feel this way because somebody else said that. Right. Uh, it, it, self-love is, is truly understanding that we are perfectly fine as we are. doesn't mean we all need to make adjustments in our lives. But, but it, it's not living to some preset standard uh, and ex- sort of loving us by loving us unconditionally. Love yourself unconditionally as you would love your own child. Mm-hmm. Love yourself unconditionally. 
It's that's a, a great point. start. I know that's not a really good answer for that. No, that's a, uh, I'd it, say it's it, a good it, answer. It's a, I mean, seriously, I think it's a very yeah, good answer. It, 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 I, I'll tell you why I think it's a good yeah, answer. It's it, because it's, it's accepting. It's an accepting answer. And, and acceptance is like at the core of this whole thing about being so tough on ourselves. So I think you're right on, actually. Right. And, and, and I, have a, it, it, I have a really good example of, of sort of an acceptance of where we're at. I have a, a, a client. She's a great client. Really, really like her. She's a young person, and and she has multiple things going on. And and we have a her family and her have had a lot of issues. And what we're trying to do is get her focused on she needs to get on with with life. You know, mm-hmm. and, and right now there's a step by step process. You need to uh, enroll in school, get a job, and it's mm-hmm. literally a step by step of what what her answer is. Right. But she keeps bringing up. Stuff that doesn't matter, ancient stuff, and distracting from the goal, and it, it, it it's a it's a rehearsed pattern that she did. And she's well, I've, I've had such a bad past. I've had, and in, in, in reality, it's not such a bad past. At some point, you got to put a period behind it. And say, today is what matters. I got to quit living in what should have, could have, and would have happened. And today is my where I live. Love myself in today, and move forward. It, 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 we break it down to that simple step. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Mm-hmm. How do we fix these things? One step at a time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when we're trying to do that, trying to kind of make that break with that past pattern of uh, being rough on ourselves in various ways, really, it's just a, a mindfulness step, right? It's just saying, you know, I'm just going to stop beating yeah. myself about up about that stuff, the, all these things that are going wrong in my life. I'm just going to. I, I have decided I am not going to be tough on myself for the fact that all these terrible things have been going on. In fact, I'm not even going to be even thinking about the terrible things anymore. I, I give up on them because, the, I mean, they're in the past anyway, so I can't really do anything about the fact that they're there. I can reframe them. I can, you know, I, I can change the way I think about them if I want to, if I'm, if I'm willing to put in the work on that. But ultimately, they're still just there. So maybe just let them go. Let them go. Leave, leave them alone. Well, the, the, the power in... And everything that we're talking about, whether it's self-forgiveness or self-love or whatever term you want to use, the power of of law of attraction, when you combine the the knowledge of what we're trying to do with law of attraction with the understanding that the the all your power, everything that you you everything you have, every inner piece of energy you have is right now at this moment. Mm -hmm. There's not there's nothing else that matters. Yesterday's it it has happened. Yesterday was a wonderful day for some people, and it was a horrible day for some people. Mm. And all that ha- it was the same day. It's right. just how they perceive what happened. And and today, your power exists without knowledge of what happened yesterday, or regardless of what's going to happen tomorrow, your power still exists in today. If I could create, if if I wanted to get rich, and 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 really get mega rich, I would be able to create a pill that would allow you to forget every negative thing that has ever happened to you and only remember the good things. <laughs> uh, that's what people are trying to do with drugs, by the way. Exactly. Work. Exactly. Uh, but, but, if, but if you were to able to erase all that self-doubt, uh, you, you know, the, the, one, of the, one of my favorite stories, and a friend of mine was telling me this about her son, and, and he's a great nine-year-old, you know, from a nine-year-old's perspective. And she's a, uh, she is a nurse, uh, an RN. And, um, she wants to be a nurse practitioner, but it, you know, she's a single mom and it's a lot of work. So she, she was on the phone one day and her son was, no, she was told her son about a homework assignment. And he said, well, mom, what, what do you want to do? You know, 
is this your career? Do you got more to do? Anyway, this homework assignment he was trying to do, asking mom questions. Mm-hmm. And mom says, well, I would really like to become a nurse practitioner. And, uh, and, and he said, well, okay, well, why don't you do that? And she said, well, you know, I'd have to go back to school and then I'd have to complete this exam and I have to do an internship. And so he's, he's like, and she said, he was, she was done. And he goes, so that's like three things. <laughs> and she's like, well, yeah. He goes, huh. So really, really three things is only keeping you from doing that. And she was like, well, yeah, you're right. She actually enrolled in school. She's like, yeah, I need to do that. And it, it it's only three things. It, 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 the only thing that was keeping her is three things. Now, mm-hmm. I admit these three things have some, some space in between them. Stuff is a bigger category. Right. But when you break it down to that, yes, you're no closer if you don't begin. So the, your, your power in self-forgiveness and self-love is breaking it down to stop with what has happened. You're beating yourself up, and you're, you're viewing what happened through a lens of the rearview mirror that doesn't matter. Right now is all your power exists. Forgiving yourself, it doesn't really even need to happen when you can live in the moment of right now. The law of attraction doesn't require you to forgive yourself. It does require you to stop the emotion that's attached to not being able to forgive yourself. But when you learn to not allow that to be a factor, the law of attraction is so basic and so simple, it can only respond to the emotion you're putting out there. That's Mm -hmm. all it can do. And so when you learn to not allow that of what has happened to in the past to do that, then it can only respond to your energy vibration at that moment. Some people need to do self-forgiveness. And other people realize, you know, I don't give it any power. I adjust my, my thinking, which adjusts my subconscious, and that's where I need to go. But a lot of times we get stuck on that train of i got to work on self-forgiveness for hours and hours and years and years and years versus or I could not give it any power. And it's almost like you snap your fingers when you realize that. That's true. Yeah. And by the way, Shireen, you mentioned uh, when you look in the mirror, you see someone you don't know anymore. Uh, that That is a great way of describing what happens in the first few days of doing mirror exercises. I described it in the past in terms of I just can't look my own. I couldn't look myself in the eye. I mean, the first day I did a mirror exercise, it lasted about five seconds because I just couldn't do it. It was just too uncomfortable. Um but what I can tell you is when you stick to it over a period of days, and it doesn't actually take a lot of time for this particular thing to happen. Uh, if you stick to it for like you know five days, maybe ten at the most, um, doing it every single day, you find that that particular aspect starts to recede. It becomes less and less impactful. And you, you find that that's, that's where the acceptance of yourself starts coming in, just because you went through the same exercise ten days in a row. So you, you kind of you, you kind of uh, white knuckle it out for the first few days. Okay, you know you're you're going to be looking in the mirror and you just don't know that person anymore and it's not comfortable. But when you when you just stick it out and just do it for a few days, even if you're only doing it for a minute or half a minute or a quarter of a minute each one of those days, after that five to ten day period, you start feeling better about that person you're seeing in the mirror, and that kind of fuels you to keep going after that to get the bigger benefits that come down the road. So I thought I'd point out to you that actually that actually changes pretty quickly. Well, and also there's another perspective of that, which I you sort of sort of made me think about this. If if our goal is to change and our goal is to get our life into a more positive perspective, and you're looking in the mirror and you don't recognize yourself, maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe that's the if, if you reframe it like, yeah, I, I I'm a new person. 
I don't recognize. Mm-hmm. I, I'm excited about being a new person. Yeah. My goal is to be a new person. My goal is to attract new things. Thank God I'm not seeing what I was seeing before. Yeah. Um, again, a, a, a perspective of, you know, th- there's nothing that we're talking about at the end of the day that doesn't boil down to your perspective over what you're seeing, feeling, or thinking. That's it. it, it and, and so when I look in a mirror and, and, I, and I'm, the, the, your resistance is, I don't recognize a person that it, it, I'll use the emphasis in the discussion. I, I don't recognize the person I'm seeing in the mirror or mm-hmm. whew, I don't recognize the person I'm seeing in the mirror. Thank God. <laughs> it's the right. same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's how you're looking at it. And that's really important to understand. There, there is an interesting thing that you, that came to mind as you're describing that. Cause I realized when I first started doing my mirror exercises, um, I would see, you know, the, the circles around the eyes and the wrinkles and so forth and think to myself, I was never like that before. You know, so for me, that was, I don't recognize the person that I'm seeing in the mirror. Interestingly enough, over time, I, now I've, I've gone through a couple cycles. I went, the first time I did it for about 50 days in a row, which was really, really good for me. And I got a lot of benefit out of it. And then for some reason, I just kind of stopped. I kind of wish I hadn't stopped, but I did. I stopped for a number of months, and then I started again a couple months ago, and I've been doing it ever since. And I've been noticing, I and this may be just subjective. Maybe this is me wanting to see it. I don't know. But I swear to God, Joel, I think those those wrinkles are less. I think they've started to smooth out. And I suspect that it really is true, and I suspect that it's happening because I'm feeling better about myself through doing these exercises. It, I, I completely agree with that. I, I, well, and also that as you're looking, you know, as you accept it, then you can see it differently. Mm. It, it, you know, one of the things that, that happened, uh, I've been in Virginia for 10 years now. And one of the things that always, I, I think this is how they do it. I'm not exactly sure. I think, it, you know, they give you, when you first get to the state, I moved from South Carolina, they gave me a driver's license that was good for four years. Mm-hmm. Then they renewed it for six years. Uh-huh. So, my driver's license came up for renewal. Mm-hmm. Well, in the last ten years, I've had a lot of stuff happen. I've lost my son. I, I you know, I was I was forty, you know, forty six, I think, you know, then I'm all of a sudden fifty six uh, in, in this process. Mm-hmm. So ten years has passed, and and I when I got here, I was all. I mean, there were times I would still be asked for ID when I'd, you know, go see, you know. Just be somewhere at a restaurant with with people going into a restaurant required ID or club, mm-hmm. and and even though I don't drink, they still ask for ID. And I mean, I, w- I was a young looking forty six. Well, I have physically aged a lot mm-hmm. uh, over the last ten years. It, it, and I, when I look in the mirror, it, it, sometimes I'm like, oh my god, I, I don't recognize myself, or or mm-hmm. uh, that took place. And so again, my perspective of that. That could be a really positive or a really negative, depending on what you're you're looking at. Of course, you know which way I choose to look at that. Absolutely. And you know, I look at at like I've earned this. I I have survived <laughs> the unimaginable. I've survived the unsurvivable. Mm-hmm. I, I my my yes, there's some there's some physical outward signs, but internally, I feel better than I felt when I was 30 years of age. I have unlimited energy. I feel just fantastic. So with that with knowing that and knowing that that all of this stuff that's taking place, I feel better. And so when I look at it, you know, I see the wrinkles and the gray hair and, and the, the stuff that didn't exist, you know, uh, 10 years ago, instead of uh, uh, wallowing in it, just saying sort of a badge of honor. To me, it's a, it's a, a I see nothing wrong with that. It, it, this is not a negative. The lady at the driver's license, she caught herself. It's hilarious. 
and and the other pitch, my other driver's license pitcher, I, and I did look again. I, it was a it was one of the few great pitchers I've ever taken <laughs> anywhere, much less a driver's license. And so this, she she was didn't she almost apologized since she said it. She goes, "Oh my God, what happened to you?" <laughs> and 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 I and she goes, "No, I'm sorry." It came out like, "No, no, no, no." I said, "Life happened," and I'm really proud of it. I'm I'm still here. And 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 she's like, "Oh wow, that's a great attitude." And she said, "No, you." It, it, she says, "You're you you actually look exceptionally young for your age in the last picture. You, you know, you still look your age, or even a little young." She's trying desperately to make up the statement, and it, it, but I never viewed it as wrong. I've always mm-hmm. embraced it. I I don't care about that stuff. I don't put any value in that stuff. And then, like you're saying, as you've accepted it, then you notice it differently. Yes. Uh, and and. I do believe the wrinkles can go away. I I I don't care about them. There there's something to me. Again, I wear them as as it's a medal of I've earned the wrinkles. I've earned mm. the gray hair, and I'm still here and I'm still resilient. I'm still strong. I'm still productive. I have all this stuff going. I've earned all that. Again, that's the perspective I have on it. I don't view somewhere in society somebody to define aging as a bad thing. I view it as this incredible thing. If I knew being older felt this great, I'd have been older a long time ago. <laughs> That's a great attitude. I like that. It's funny, too, the way you phrased it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Shelly Shelley Epperly, who does the Monday evening program with me, uh, has logged on. Good morning, Shelly. Hope you're doing well. And she made a comment I wanted to share that I think uh, ties in directly to what you've been saying. She says, mistakes are meant to be learned from. When you give them purpose, sometimes it's easier to let them go. Well, and, and I really appreciate that. And that, that that's helps focus me where I was originally going when you look in the mirror and you you you're sometimes you're seeking forgiveness of something that doesn't need to be forgiven mm. uh you, you know i i have i have uh i have made some unbelievably poor choices in my life i mean i can set the bar for poor choices if you want to go backwards <laughs> however however those same poor choices would not I wouldn't be the person today without those poor choices. Now I would, don't want to go do them again. No, but I, the fact that I made that and do it, so I can't apologize or forgive myself for something that gave me the greatest gift I have today. That's the life I have today. Now, I, anybody that I've harmed, of course, I've made amends to and I've apologized to and all that stuff. But I'm not talking about that. But as me for self forgiveness, I have I have reframed those events as you know stuff that really were necessary learning events. I share about my, you know, one of the, the, the start of my book, The Bench, I talk about, uh, uh, you know, the beginning of the book is me eating out of a trash can after being homeless in Las Vegas. It's mm. a very intense opening chapter, and, and I always viewed that as a trauma. And I don't know if I would ever be able to get over that trauma of having to eat out of a trash can and, and all my behavior leading to me being homeless and all the stuff that took place. And then later in life, chains of events happened, which made I reframed how I looked out of eating out of the trash can, and it it, it made me look differently at it. Now again, it, I'm never going to view eating out of the trash can. Oh boy, thank God I got to eat some crusty hamburger out of the trash can. Right. But it did put a perspective on me that like, wow, I wouldn't be the man I am today without that event. I've overcome because of that. So I don't owe myself forgiveness. I owe myself congratulations. We're over, overcoming that. It was a growth event, not a traumatic event. At one point, it was a traumatic event. I was in charge of that reframe. 
Exactly. Yeah, and you probably did early on when it was still a traumatic event. That's probably when you were doing some sort of a forgiveness thing. But you grew past that. Yes. You got to the point where you no right. longer needed to be in that space, and now you could turn it into something more positive. And and that's huge. Exactly. That's really huge. I mean, that, yeah. that's that's not just letting go of something. That's letting go of the negative side of something and then turning it into a positive. That's that's big. Yes. Well, and, that, and that's sort of the definition. I think that that's where – you know, you know, Shelley's very wise comment there is, is, is that same thing. The, the idea that, that, you know, life happens and, and, and we're not into, we didn't get an instruction manual. Truly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can tell you, I clearly had no instruction manual. I mean, <laughs> yeah. trust me, it was, wow, let me go try everything the exact opposite of logical <laughs> and let's see what happens. And however, all of those, all that calamity and all that stuff and all the stuff that happened, it was horrible, but I'm looking mm-hmm. back, and again, I, I, I can't approach it with a little humor now, and, it, and, and I can approach it with, yes, my poor choices, despite my every single effort, what seemingly to the contrary, I've become wildly successful, despite all the efforts seemingly of let's be unsuccessful, let's do everything wrong, mm-hmm. because I was able to adjust my sale and learn from them. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm very careful when I use the term self-forgiveness. I, I don't want us to beat ourselves up, but I, I've used self-forgiveness in a little different way than the average person. Now I'm not talking about what we harm other people. They, you know, we need to make amends and apologize and, and all the stuff that we need to do in those areas. However, when it comes to the self-forgiveness piece, I'm about how did that really affect me? And do I really need to forgive myself? I need to forgive myself for thinking I need to forgive myself and just realize that was a gross event. Don't wallow in no matter, that's that self-pity party. You know, I can't get past this until I forgive myself. Or, you know, uh, I see where that actually propelled me. Now, I learned from it. Why do I need to be forgiven for going to school, so to speak? That was just a lesson. Perspective really is everything, isn't it? Because what you're really doing is it you're is. finding an alternative way and in many ways a stronger way to let go, to let go of the angst, to let go of the pain, to let go of the suffering, to let go of all the horribleness of it. That's what you're really doing. You're letting go yes. of it. And in that letting go, you are, there, you're, you're, a, you're finding strength in that letting go. That's that growth mindset that, that you know, if you wake up every day with the concept of there, there's, and there's multiple levels in between, but if, if for the most basic belief, the most basic exception here, description here is you wake up and you, you have a choice of viewing today as having a growth mindset. I'm going to take everything and I'm going to grow from it. Good, bad, ugly. I'm going to grow from it. Or I can go into the victim mindset. Woe is me. This has happened. Why is this always happening to me? And again, the reason that it matters is the law of attraction picks up on that emotion. Mm-hmm. It picks up on the, the growth mindset is, isn't it? Okay, this is growing time, and we're going to grow, and we're going to gain from it, we're going to become successful. Or, woe is me, I learned helplessness, I, I, I can't believe the world is doing this to me, I can't believe this is, 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 is causing me problems, I can't believe, well, yeah, it, it is now, or you can just simply say, this is happening, moving on. That's for the, that's for the ability to flip a switch. What, what, I used this analogy before in a few shows ago, but the, the, when you when you're watching Animal Planet or, or Discovery Channel, you're seeing a a, a, a a lion chasing a gazelle, and the gazelle's running all over the place, crazy, and and, and it's life or death. Every move the gazelle makes is life or death move. Whether I live or die depends on my next move. Right. And nothing more stressful than that. The gazelle jumps over a rock, gets away from the lion. The gazelle looks around, life's gone. 
Because they'll just start eating. Okay, cool. No big deal. Well, they don't have any of the the the, you know, the, the danger is immediately over. Let's get back to eat. We got to replenish our fuel. We got to get back to doing what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Humans, something you know, something happens. Oh, no, this almost happened. This destroyed us. What are we, you know? And, and and we live in this uh, this repetitive motion of about what to happen. We're humans are the only ones that have that. You know, the the we told a story years ago, and and I, I told a story that this one has been a long time. My son, Chris, uh, many, many years ago, was volunteering at the local Humane Society. And this is a wonderful facility. They, they're an no-kill facility here. And they, they take these dogs in and who've been abused. And I, I, love, I love animals. And I love the fact that we have a, uh, a place that treats them so mm. fondly. So Chris was volunteering at the place. And there was a dog named Dazzle. And Dazzle had come in, and his chain was wrapped around his left leg. Mm. And Chris was there, and for Chris at the time was about 14. And uh, for whatever reason, Dazzle would only allow Chris to comfort him and feed him and all this. So, so uh, Chris showed up every day to feed Dazzle and pet Dazzle. Dazzle loved Chris, and even with a hurt leg, Dazzle would go chase the ball and do stuff only for Chris. Though. So, uh, after about a week of him being there, the the the, the facility calls and they said, "Hey, will you tell Chris?" Ask him if he could come up tomorrow. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Dazzle is going is getting his uh, leg removed today. Circulation didn't return, and you know he, he we really hope Chris can come tomorrow because Dazzle is going to need him. And and so I was like, oh wow. Mm-hmm. So I told Chris, and Chris was very upset. And he said, oh, he said. I said, well, Chris. Now when we get there, I said Dazzle is going to be very. You know, he's lost his leg. He's going to be in pain. And, and so don't, you know, he's probably not going to just understand. He, he's probably not going to want to spend a lot of time or energy doing much. Well, we pull up. Dazzle sees Chris, has a banjo, comes hopping out on three legs, running, jumping around, brings him the ball, runs out, chases the ball. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Not, you know, Dazzle, Dazzle has a different perspective. Totally. And, and, and Chris said, well, Dad, I thought, yeah. I, I said, well, Chris, Chris, I was wrong. I said, Dazzle is no longer in pain. Dazzle could care less. He still gets around. He feels better. Uh, Dazzle isn't missing the leg that isn't there. He's happy the pain is gone. And he's got three good legs that work. Dazzle's perspective is better than a human perspective. Dazzle mm-hmm. never cared. Yeah. Uh, and I said, that's a great lesson. And that's a true, that's a true story. Mm-hmm. And Dazzle was a, Dazzle was a lot better without that painful leg. He didn't miss yeah. the leg. No. It didn't matter. Nope. Yeah. Perspective is everything. Um, I have two more questions yeah. for you to address. Uh, and these are my own that I'm raising. Uh, first one, uh, you were mentioning forgiveness a, a moment ago, and you've often talked about the value of gratitude. I, I wondered if you could uh, compare and contrast forgiveness and gratitude and, and what roles you think they play. And then the second thing I wanted you to address is, <clears throat> excuse me, after addressing that one, you're, you're dealing with somebody else in your life who is eating out of a dumpster. I mean, I'm I'm using that as a generic way of describing that they're going through really difficult stuff. And you want to help them, and you're not, you know, you really can't help somebody else who isn't ready to be held, but you want to help them. How do you help them? Well, uh, I'll start with the the gratitude and the forgiveness. Okay. I I think that what what we're looking at, what, what, as a reminder, and I'll preface this by saying, what we're looking at, the reason any of this even matters, is again what emotion we're putting out there, what vibration we're putting out there. So, 
what will forgiveness bring about in the vibration? If you're if you're forgiving or being forgiven, whichever one it is, doesn't really matter. What is your perspective and what is your goal in being forgiven or forgiving? Mm -hmm. To me, it's about adjusting your vibration. I always, if, you know, when, when, you know, I made a comment uh, to somebody one day and they were offended by that. And I I had, first of all, I had no intention of offense. Mm -hmm. And so the guy actually typed a Facebook quote, you know, he said, I'm I'm actually offended by that statement. I go, well, thank you. And (laughs) of course he's like, what? I said, you've just given me the power, the power to offend you. I said, I, wow. I said, I, I did, I, I have more power today than I realized. <laughs> of course, that really made him mad. Of course. And, and, you know, <laughs> yeah, I said, you, and I said, no, you had to, you had to work to be offended. So I'm not going to, you know, if you need me to say I'm sorry, I've, I've done nothing to say I'm sorry, but so, so I'm not going to forgive or put myself in a vibration of needing. I've, I've done nothing wrong. There, it, 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 it's his, you know, super paper thin skin. That was that somehow it was a, it was such the most benign quote in the world. Somehow he took personal offense to it. So, you know, with, with that, what what are we doing? Let's don't, I don't want us to become a forgiveness machine where we're constantly asking for forgiveness for stuff we don't need to forgive it about. If we need to, if we if we're wrong, uh, promptly admitting we're wrong, m- making amends in any way you can, repairing the damage that we've done, and then moving forward. That's awesome. So forgiveness is a state of mind done properly. Is, is a very effective to uplifting vibration. But that's a very dangerous one too when you're living in the concept that you constantly need to be forgiven or you constantly need to be forgiving. Uh, it, it, if, if I need to forgive somebody two or three times, maybe I don't need to have that person in my life. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, you know, okay, I'll forgive you once. And I might forgive you twice for that. Third time, it's now becoming my fault. And so I need to look at what vibration that, that's putting out. And then when I look at the gratitude piece, gratitude, and, and I'm speaking for me because I know other people have different, but gratitude is my base emotion of the law of attraction. Uh, and, and, and I don't know if that comes from the fact that it was sort of the concept of the secret, uh, and she relayed that. I know other people that, that have sort of some different vibration and emotions that work, but keeping it really basic, gratitude for me is where where I am at the mar- most harmonious, when I'm grateful for what I'm having, it's the most basic way to get more things. My law of attraction field responds best to what I'm grateful for. That's how I've used to work at best. When I'm grateful for the abundance I have, I have more of an abundance. When, I'm, mm-hmm. when I feel of a lack of what I have or I'm not grateful for stuff or I feel I, I've been slighted, then I get more things to feel slighted about. Uh, if I'm a victim of something, then I need more things to be, feel like I'm a victim about. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the two emotions are just seeking the, 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 the vibration that you're trying to get back. Forgiveness can be a tool to raise your vibration, but you also have to be careful not to allow it to lower your vibration by forgiving for stuff that really doesn't need to be forgiven about. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely makes sense. Um, and the reason I mentioned those two concepts, forgiveness and gratitude, I think most people kind of figure they're kind of in the same ballpark. And I knew you were going to show that they're really quite different, which you did. Uh, but that, it, that's kind of an eye-opener, thinking that you know, forgiveness and gratitude really are not the same at all. No. And, and, and you know, I, I'm, I, I've had people that have tried to apologize for, you know, for me, well, I'm sorry I said that. First of all, Please take that back because I was I was never offended or I was never harmed. Mm-hmm. So don't waste your that on me. You know if, if 
that's not something. You know, somehow, if you're turning that, you need to adjust why you're asking to be forgiven on that. I have a super thick skin. I've, I'm not worried. I don't live in a world where I allow other people's emotions or, or statements to to drag me down. I'm good with whatever you need to be. You know, I don't, I've become bulletproof or trying to become bulletproof in those areas and I'm pretty good at it. So I, you know, I always try to help people along the way. I've had people say, Oh, I'm sorry. This Zero reason to be sorry. Mm. Uh, there, there's, there's no, you know, I'm not, I'm not, not upset about that. And you know, what, what was, there was another part of your question. Well, uh, just the observation that gra- gratitude is is quite different. But um, the the other the, there yeah. was a, there was also a second question. The second question was, right. you, you know, somebody else in your life, somebody you work with, you oh, know, yeah. family member, a friend, a, a spouse. It could be almost anybody who is struggling with some stuff, really, really struggling with some stuff. Right, and you want to be able to help them. Yeah. But, you know, and yet you, you, on the one hand, you know that really they're the only ones who can grow. On the other hand, you know that, uh, you, you know, you wish there was some way you could really, you know, intervene for them. And, and it may even be somebody that you, you feel like you have a, a, an obligation to, like a spouse or a child or another family member or, you know, somebody you're really, really close to. Um, how do you, how do you handle a situation where you kind of see that person spiraling and, and you're not really sure what to do about it? The, the hardest that that may be the hardest thing that as humans we have to do, whether it's mm-hmm. our child, or spouse, or, or, or any fan, just a friend, mm-hmm. watching people spiral out of control or make yeah. choices that are, are harmful or go through depressions. And the one of the hard lessons, and Abraham Hicks sort of hits on this in several different ways along the time. But I can view that person in the way that I I see them. I can put positive thoughts and how I'm viewing them. I can treat them with a positive. Uh, vibration that I feel for them, but I cannot manifest for them. I can live an example of a life of somebody look and say, wow, you know, what are, what are you doing to get this? And then I can explain it. But if I were to go up to somebody who's, if, if somebody would have come up to me when I'm eating out of a trash can and said, here's a book, The Secret, it'll change your life. I'd look at them and go, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> This is not changing my life. I'm being out of a trash can and I'm sleeping on the street. That's right. not going to help anything. Yeah. Now, it would have, but I wasn't in a place to be there to remotely. I can't force anyone to get to a place of where they need to be. I can, I, and, and I say this in, in a joking manner, but it's a, I think we all sort of feel this way. Yeah. I could line up 20 people in a, in, in, you know, 10 people on each side of a table and we all sit down and we explain to the person on the other side of the table what's wrong. And probably with complete accuracy, that person could tell me what I need to do to fix it. Mm. However, I would know the same answer. I might give them the same answer for their problem, mm. and, and they're not going to implement it anymore. We have to arrive on our own. That That's the hard part of the law of attraction is allowing this to arrive for, for the individual who's doing the manifesting or what they're inviting we have to allow them to get there, and that's a hard thing to do. You can't, you can't force them, and, no. and I've never figured out how to do it, or, nor would it be beneficial, mm. because pe- all kinds of people tried to help me along the way, and it wasn't until I became exceptionally ready for the message that I was able to receive it and then live it. Mm. And that's everybody I've ever dealt with in life. You've got to get there in a way that's acceptable to you. Absolutely, yeah. It, it is the hardest thing to deal with because we we are attached to the people who are important to us in our lives, 
And when those people are going through something difficult, our hearts go out to them. You know, so we want to help them. We sometimes we feel like we have an obligation to help them. But like you say, yeah. the hardest part is, is kind of letting go and just saying, you know, they they got to walk their own path. I can be there to to help them pick up the pieces, but they still got to walk their own path. We have a. Um, I'm very much into nutrition and health and sort of a holistic view to life outside of the law of attraction. I think it actually all goes together, but that's a different day. Uh, one thing that I, I really want people to, to, to grasp, I have an example of a, a, a really good friend. I was in Florida. He's a, we, we were visiting. We met at a restaurant to eat. And in the South, people who are in the South, when I say South, I mean South, really down that way. Deep South. Um, we, you go to a restaurant, you can order sweet tea. They add sugar to tea. Mm-hmm. And it's very, it's not just sweet, it's crazy sweet. It's, <laughs> it's very unhealthy. Uh, it makes Mountain Dew look like a health food. Um, and so, <laughs> so we, we sit down in this restaurant and, he, and this, this gentleman, his issue is he was actually there to talk to me about how, uh, you know, he's, he's feeling down. He's, very, very overweight, and and he has only, and so he sits down. The first thing he orders is a sweet tea. And I'm like, you're you might as well. There's a half a bag of sugar there. Why don't you <laughs> just mainline it? I said, number, <laughs> yeah, yeah, number that we we can stop our discussion. That stop sweet tea. If, if I didn't even know that was still a thing that you know <laughs> you would drink. Of course, I mean you're 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 400 pounds. There's no way that's and and, and he looked at me and goes, well, I've always drank sweet tea. Well, he said, I want to know what I can do. I said, well, stop drinking sweet tea. Yeah, and he said, well, right. I'm depressed. I said, stop drinking sweet tea. I said, yeah. Let's start with the most simple, you know. And, and it was so obvious to me. Well, it took him two more years before he had to have, uh, you know, sort of a knee replacement operation, and, and, and he's in really poor health. And now he's going to have to, you know, he had his knee operation a while back. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, two years ago, you had a key that you just he just couldn't see, and yeah. so it, it, it I, I I couldn't get him to see it. He wouldn't believe, it. and it was so it was so oh. ridiculously obvious to me mm-hmm. that, that there was no changes needed when you could simply start with the, you know, he, he had four or five of these glasses. Of, he was two thousand calories of sugar a day of sweet tea was being consumed. If we just stopped that, you would lose a hundred pounds a year. Mm. Yeah, and uh, yeah. so it was baffling to me that, but yeah, so so, that, so I couldn't make him do that, but once he realized it, one of the first things he said is, "Yeah, I gave up sweet tea, and that helped a lot." I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. good. I told you that two years ago, but you know, <laughs> well, isn't that it? Their, you just nailed it right there. Himself. I mean, because because we we want yeah. to to say, "I've been telling you this for years. You finally listened." But what really happened was they listened yeah. to themselves. And yeah. yes, what you said two well, years ago helped, but 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 they listened to themselves. They listen. They listened to that message that was inside their bodies all that time. They finally paid attention to it, and you did help bring they it to their attention. attention. It, yeah, yeah. One of my one of the frustrating things. I I work with a lot of young people. When I say young people, say fifteen to twenty five. I've worked with just tons of those. And and so one of the frustrating frustrating things that almost every parent will tell me is. Once the, my clients start making progress, and they'll come home and they say, "Oh, you wouldn't believe what Joel said," and the mom will go, "Like I've been telling you that for years." She's pissed that 
why, 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 why are you listening to him? I've been telling the same thing and actually get mad of like what, you know, well, first of all, I'm not his mom. And second, I'm able to, I have a technique of allowing them to come up with it so they believe it's their idea Mm. and I reinforce it versus they're never going to do what you tell them. So the idea of being able to understand how that operates, it is very frustrating to say, God, I just, I've been telling you this for a long time. Now you're doing it. At the end of the day, that person had to come to it themselves. Yes. Period. And that's the hard thing. When you watch, you're watching somebody struggle, you can't keep them from struggling. You can enable them and stop them from the lesson of struggle and they'll continue oh, yeah. to struggle, or you can have the courage to let them continue to struggle until the lesson they need to learn has been learned and they can move on. Yep. Exactly right. The only sad part here is that we're actually over time, so we have to kind of draw to a close. But before we go, tell people how to reach out to you if they're looking for a little private assistance. Uh, my uh, website is joelelston.com. I'm, I'm actually in the process of updating it. It looks pretty good. Uh, got more work to do. And Or joelelston at gmail are the best two ways to get hold of me. All right, very good. Well, my friend, I appreciate this as always. I mean, you're, it, I love talking to you every week, and I can't wait to talk to you again next week. Thank you. I, I enjoy it so much. Thanks to our audience for listening. Absolutely. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.